Podcast Network Asia. Hi, I'm Kathy Reneses, and you are listening to the Coaching Happiness Podcast, powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Welcome to episode 30 of the Coaching Happiness Podcast. My name is Kathy Reneses, and I'm a life coach, speaker, and founder of Coaching Happiness, a coaching service focused on hard work, whose mission is to create a better world, one person at a time. This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia, Podmetrics, Centro Holistico, Sunrider Philippines, Naughty Love Yourself, and Kangen Water PH. Revolutionize your health with water. Now, one of the best ways to learn is to learn from the greats. And tuning in to the RJ Ledesma podcast gives you exactly that. Get into the mind of success with insider perspectives directly from the sharpest and most innovative business personalities. Join best-selling author, entrepreneur, and motivational speaker, RJ Ledesma, in conversations on success, best business practices, and innovation during these turbulent times, and learn how to be your own success story. To learn more about the shows and the network, you can go to www.podcastnetwork.asia. So, hello, my darlings. Kamusta kayo? It's finally October, which is one of the most exciting parts of the year for me since it's my birthday month and with it being Halloween, there are always some amazing scary movies that come out and it's also an excuse to rewatch the classics like Disney's Hocus Pocus. I think for this year, at least for me, the big winner for me is Netflix's Midnight Mass. And I think Squid Game as well should be part of that horror category because Ugh, that series gave me the heebie-jeebies. This last quarter of the year is also where I usually plan ahead for next year, for 2022. And I do it as early as now because I just like taking my time and mindfully planning out what it is that I want to create or manifest throughout the year. And I know the intention behind each of the things I want to create for myself. I also make it a point to prioritize and schedule in my continued education. And I like to look for workshops and courses that I find interesting, which can range from, let's say, maybe a social media certification course or maybe a baking masterclass. This year, the one area of education and expansion that I found myself delving into is actually sexual well-being and wellness. So for this episode, this is one that I find to be very personal. And that is talking about sexual well-being and sexual wellness for Filipinas. Growing up in the Philippines, have any of you 
had any sex education because I definitely didn't. It was a topic that was never supposed to be broached on as it was considered to be quote unquote dirty. If you were interested in stuff like that, then you'd better take a long shower and wash that guilt and shame off for wanting to learn more about your body and its urges. So it was never talked about, at least in my household. We were supposed to stay chaste and innocent until our wedding day and then miraculously know exactly what to do right? Or expecting our husbands to teach us what we should want and how we should want it. So we grow up hormonal and curious with the worst limiting beliefs about the opposite sex. Yung mga tipong iisa lang ang habol sa'yo niyan, or bawal magka-boyfriend hanggat hindi ka tapos sa pag-aaral, or masisira buhay mo pag nagka-boyfriend ka. And so much more. <laughs> if you are in your teens, hormonal, and have bought into these beliefs, let me tell you right now that none of that is true. The first belief of iisa lang ang habol sa'yo ng mga lalaki is terrible. It's essentially teaching you to be wary and fearful of the opposite sex. The second one of bawal magka-boyfriend hanggat hindi ka tapos sa pag-aaral creates feelings of guilt and even shame when we interact and have feelings of attractions towards the opposite sex. And the last one of masisira buhay mo pag nagka-boyfriend ka is such a setup to fail because consciously or not, you will start blaming your significant other for things that go wrong in your life because, well, that was the belief that you were taught and believed. And that's been the extent of the sex education that I got growing up. It was abstinence and ignorance via lots of guilting and shaming. And this is the 21st century. And these old beliefs should have been debunked already. But in my experience of coaching teens, this is still very much the norm. And 100%, it's something they got from their parents because it's exactly what I heard growing up. Instead of teaching women to keep away, be fearful, or harbor mistrust for the opposite sex, I strongly suggest we teach women to understand and explore their bodies, feel empowered by their sexuality, and learn how to communicate and demand the same from their partners. Having a positive relationship with sex and seeing it as a normal part of the human experience may not be a new concept for folks who grew up in other places, like the European continent, where this is so open and talked about. But in Asian countries like the Philippines, this is a revolutionary idea. Heretical, almost. <laughs> now, before you come at me for wanting everyone, especially Filipinas, to explore and educate themselves around their sexual well-being, allow me 
to give you an example of why I want to be having this conversation with all of you. So I'll be 36 in the next couple of days. Exciting age. And my college experience was in the early 2000s. And back then, I was having sex. My classmates were doing the same. And being in an all-girls college, we would swap stories of our experiences. So that was my sex education. And one of the most prevalent pieces of quote-unquote advice that I would always hear is, if you don't want to get pregnant, take two paracetamols and down it with a can of Coke. (laughs) If you're laughing hearing this, I'm serious. This is probably advice I would expect to hear maybe in the 1970s when there was no internet, but this was the 2000s. If you find that dumbfounding, you'll be horrified to know that up until today, in the 21st century, there are teens who still believe and practice this paracetamol and coke combo and think that this is supposedly safe sex. This is the version of the morning after pill. Even in the 21st century, Ignorance, coupled with guilt and shame of abstinence, has not served us Filipinas well. You still don't believe me? The numbers don't lie. The Philippines has a recorded 7% increase in births among girls aged 15 and below in 2019, up from the figure on teenage pregnancies in 2018, according to the Commission on Population and Development. So get this, Filipino minors who gave birth in 2019 increased to 62,510 from 62,341 in 2018. And this has been nine consecutive years of a rise in teenage pregnancy. How many of them do you think believe that taking paracetamol and coke would solve their problem? Hmm. Now, talking about sexual well-being for Filipinas is going to be a whole ramble. But before that, I just want to talk to you a little bit about one of my sponsors, and that's Podcast Network Asia's little sister, Podmetrics. If you're a podcaster and want to know how I collaborate with brands in the Coaching Happiness podcast, just so you know, I use Podmetrics. It's the easiest way to monetize your podcast, regardless of its size. And hey, if you're an advertiser and you want to work with me on an episode, you just need to head on over to advertiser.podmetrics.co and fill out the form. For this episode, I've collaborated with Naughty.ph, spelled N-O-T-I dot P-H. Naughty is an intimate lifestyle brand who promotes women empowerment and sexual health through modern sex education and femtech in the Philippines. 
They firmly believe in empowering every Filipina to understand her wonderful body's potential for pleasure, making conscious and intelligent choices, and embracing her right to experience guilt-free orgasms and enjoy the benefits of self-pleasure. There is a plethora of information on their website about having sex for the first time, female sexuality, and demystifying orgasms, why it's so different for women than it is for men, as well as tools for self-pleasure and self-care. Sex toys. I'm talking about sex toys. (laughs) Vibrators, clitoral stimulators, dildos, and the like. Because honestly, how else are you going to figure out what you like and how you like it when you have no idea what's going on between your legs? I think one of my biggest aha moments in learning about sexual well-being and wellness is how much we've mislabeled our own body parts. We've gotten so used to calling our sexual organ our vagina, which is only one component of our actual sexual organ, which is called the vulva. It includes the mom pubis or the pubic mound, our labia, our urethral opening, where we pee from, and of course, our clitoris. But no, we use vagina because it's part of our sexual anatomy that gives men the most pleasure. Hmm, weird, no? Even our G-spot, the sensitive and pleasurable area that's roughly one to two inches up our vagina, it was named after a man. The G stands for Ernst Grafenberg, the German gynecologist, who discovered it along with American obstetrician Robert L. Dickinson in the 1940s. Grafenberg published his findings in the International Journal of Sexology a decade later, presenting what he called the quote-unquote urethral sponge as the key to sexual deficiency among women. It is mind-boggling how parts of the female anatomy, as well as our reproductive rights, are still dictated by the opposite sex, who clearly have no clue what they're going on about. When is this going to change, Gaia? Now, I can go on and on about sexual well-being, and I just might save that for another episode. But for this one, I just want to bring some level of awareness to how we as Filipinas have been taught to think about sex, our sexual pleasure, and our sexual well-being. I would define sexual well-being as an overall sense of excitement and joy across the many landscapes of human sexuality. It's about feeling pleasure and connecting to our body's wants, needs, and desires, as well as anyone else who you choose to engage with. Being able to discover what that is and to be able to clearly communicate that with your partner is equally important. And while it sounds easy, and it's the absolute right thing to do, and yes, sexuality is part of the human experience, 
why haven't we been putting this into practice? Why is there so much shame around talking about sexuality and finding pleasure in it? So personally, I think it's from holding on to and passing on beliefs that no longer serve us, ladies. So let's get into it. The first belief that I want to talk about that I feel holds us back is the belief that we are either a Madonna or a Magdalene, the archetype of the virgin or the whore. And there is no in-between. We actually have our own version of that saying, and it goes either Isahang Maria Clara or Isahang Maria Ozawa. Now, I'm pretty sure that Maria Ozawa is a lovely lady, but because she has been fetishized beyond belief, Filipinos have turned her into the anti-Maria Clara, the epitome of virtue, of the ideal Filipina that Jose Rizal wrote about in No Limitangere. To be like her is ideal, beautiful, graceful, charming, and submissive. This was the kind of Filipina woman who deserves to be placed on the quote-unquote, once again, pedestal of male honor. Essentially, innocent and naive. She would have made the perfect trophy wife. The impossible standard of the Maria Clara or virgin archetype has its roots in Catholicism of the 1500s. But the taboos against the expression and discussion of female sexuality, unfortunately, still holds true today. We even call it Ampagigigdalagang Pilipina. The reality is, we as women are so much more complex than that. Life isn't black and white. And sexuality is part of the human experience. To be a sexual being and have needs, wants, and desires is normal. It's healthy. We all have a Maria Clara and a Maria Ozawa in all of us. And those aspects of ourselves come out in appropriate times. It doesn't make sense to only accept one part of us and vilify the other. The second belief that holds us back from exploring and enjoying our sexuality is struggling with what men would think about us. What if they find out that you actually enjoy sex and maybe want to initiate sex? Oh, the horror. Now, this limiting belief obviously only applies to women in cisgender relationships, and I think this is rooted more around our people-pleasing than anything else, no? It took me up until my late 20s to realize that I would always adjust myself to whoever it was that I was in a relationship with. I'd adjust how big or small I played in life because the men didn't like to be outshined. I'd adjust how I dressed, how I talked, and even how I was in bed according to an ideal, their ideal. 
And looking back, it was so bad. I was never truly happy or fulfilled. And the relationship at the end just made me feel resentful because I wasn't honest with myself or with the guys I was with for that matter. Eventually, I had enough and chose not to hide my light, who I was, in order to please someone else, especially in bed. And instead of just allowing, it's now more give and take. Instead of focusing on what he would probably want, I tell him what I want too. There is more talking during sex. It feels a lot more intimate. And it's now focused on connection rather than just getting it over with. The third belief that holds us back from enjoying our sexuality, I think, is that we think that the thing between our legs is dirty. We have gone and vilified a body part that was created to be enjoyed and to bring new life into this world. Think about it. It's considered normal for men to masturbate because they would say, oh, that's just how men are. And oh, it can't be helped. It comes with hormones. And for them to have sex outside of marriage because, oh, you know, men need to sow their wild oats and all that BS. But women are not supposed to even touch ourselves and discover who we are because it's dirty. Why is this not being applied to men? Wait, I know the answer to that. It's because it's a patriarchal idea. Mm -hmm. This belief is once again rooted in religion, where women are supposed to be chaste and ignorant about worldly things. I guess this made sense when we as women were being married off at 14 and 15 to 30 and 40-year-old men, but... In today's modern society, not so much. If this is a limiting belief that you struggle to let go of because of maybe religious reasons, then allow me to remind you that you are a beautiful child of God, made perfect in every way. Every part of you is sacred as you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And everything, especially your sexuality, is a gift from God. Limiting belief number four is waiting for the men to teach us what we should want and how we should act in bed. Mm. So here's the thing. Most men, at least the ones who grew up in the Philippines, didn't get sex education either. So where do you think they learned about sex? Pornography. It's the only platform that talks about sex that's openly available to us. And while there are some companies in the adult industry that aim to educate and who create content that depicts consent and romantic relationships and you know, what a romantic relationship would look like. A lot of what's out there that gets consumed are mostly based off male fantasies. And that's not healthy, is it? 
also, why have we left it to the men to be responsible for learning about sex? It's unfair to assume that they know about their sexual well-being as well as ours. I had this conversation with a male friend of mine, and he shared how when he was growing up and was also, you know, trying to figure out his sexual pleasures, that the women he would, you know, sleep with would automatically assume that he knew what the heck he was doing and were kind of just waiting for him to instruct them on, you know, like what they were supposed to do. So... Because of that, he kind of struggled with the idea of having to essentially perform for the women he would have sex with. And of course, he looked towards pornography, being too in his head half the time, making sure that the minimum he'd last in bed was 30 minutes because that's what he would see when he would watch a porno. 30 freaking minutes. I'd be rubbed raw down there and extremely uncomfortable or, or maybe bored to tears or maybe, I don't know, probably end up just sleeping. (laughs) But see, that's a limiting belief for men who base their ideas on sex off of porn and accept that to be normal. So ladies, if this is a belief that you find yourselves holding on to, well, let it go already. It isn't our partner's responsibility to educate us on our own sexual well-being. It's ours. Take the time to discover the parts of yourself that bring you pleasure and look how you'd want to receive pleasure So you can articulate this to your partner and he isn't left forcing himself to hold it in and perform for 30 damn minutes. (laughs) And lastly, my last limiting belief that I will leave with you is that the belief that our partner doesn't need our consent. Because in movies, we were taught to believe that if a man leaned in to go for a kiss at the end of the date and you happen to like him, you close your eyes and let it happen. If he takes off your clothes, you let it happen. If he decides he wants to have sex with you in the car because you live with your parents, you let it happen. You were way too busy just letting it happen. You didn't stop to think if It's something you actually wanted to happen until it's too late. Now, I didn't realize how I was a victim of this limiting belief until I dated someone from Europe and he was so polite and asked for consent every step of the way. May I kiss you? May I take your shirt off? Is it okay if I do this? He gave me the time to stop and think if that was what I really wanted. And you know what? That was sexy. Asking for consent is super sexy. As a side story, 
I remember sharing this experience of consent on a Facebook live episode with two other friends. And a guy commented that he found the idea hilarious. He was like, Hala, ibig mong sabihin, kailangan ko pang magpaalam sa lahat ng gagawin ko. Um, if it's your first time with that partner, then yes. The same applies to us ladies as well. How many times have we not asked for consent and just did whatever we felt they might like or they would be into? Right? And then think about it. How many times have you experienced someone who may have been attracted to you, but you weren't as attracted to them? And how would you feel if they just kind of pushed themselves on you? Hmm. Speaking of push, there will also be no pushing down of heads in a passive aggressive way to get your partner to go down on you. Just ask and get their consent. <laughs> Now, once we get through the guilt and shame of our limiting beliefs around sex, we discover how sexual wellness actually varies from person to person. People like different things. So it's really not a one-size-fits-all. Um, there are different facets to sexual well-being and sexual wellness. Now, according to The Lancet, It's a popular and well-respected medical journal. There are four different spheres of sexual wellness and well-being. So firstly, you have sexual health. And this category includes things like fertility management and being able to make your own reproductive choices, which honestly is still something that we're fighting for in the country today. There is prevention of sexual violence, prevention and management of STIs, and access to contraception. That's under sexual health. Next, there is also sexual pleasure. This includes concepts like consent, privacy, safety, and communication. These things are often reliant on a broader culture around sex and gender. So this category would also include things like freedom of expression, equality and equity, and bodily integrity. Third is sexual justice. So this category includes things like our access to public health services and to cultural and legal systems that support our sexuality and gender, which again, is still something that we struggle with in the country today. And lastly, is sexual well-being. This includes things like being comfortable with our own sexuality, self-determination, sexual self-esteem, and our relationship to our past sexual experiences even if there are negative ones. Now, when we put that all together, these four categories combine to create an overall sense of sexual wellness. And you can use these categories to consider what sexual wellness looks like for you. Perhaps it means a high level of access to fertility management and reproductive health care. 
with a lot of freedom of expression and self-determination. Or maybe it's all about feeling supported and seen by the wider community and knowing that there are great public health services you can access when necessary. Now, here's the truth of being a Filipina in the Philippines wanting to work on your sexual wellness. Out of the four aspects, one, two, and three are out of our control. You know, we are still struggling with giving access to contraception. We are still struggling about being able to make our own reproductive choices. We are still struggling with our sexual pleasure because of the culture that we've grown up in. We are still struggling with sexual justice, having access to public health services and a legal system to support our sexuality and our gender. Marital rape is still a big issue in this country. The only one that we really, really have control over is our sexual well-being. And right now, living in the 21st century, it really is a choice on whether or not you want to educate yourself and step into that power of owning who you are. So yeah, that was a long ramble, but I hope that you got a lot of value from this episode. Fact of the matter is, we need to accept ourselves, all the parts that make us up, and not hold any guilt or shame towards the creative beautiful, sexual side of us because an institution says so, because culture dictates it, because yan ang tinuro sa akin ng lola ko, ng nanay ko, etc. This is how babies are made. How do you think you came into this world? Tapos, ang masakit pa dyan, alam mo yun, like, you have sex, hindi mo alam kung ano ginagawa mo, hindi ka na nga nasarapan, nabuntis ka pa. Hassel. We're meant to enjoy the process. Even if you have no plans of having kids, our sexual health, pleasure, justice, and well-being is part and parcel of this human experience. I hope, as a Filipina, that this makes you feel empowered. We teach other people how we want to be treated, and having the awareness that you do now you can demand that your partner treats you better. You know the value of consent and you can now rediscover the parts of you that make you feel sexy and beautiful and wanted. Don't forget to check out naughty.ph spelled N-O-T-I dot P-H for articles relating to sex education, as well as self-pleasure tools to help you on your journey of self-discovery. So that's it for this episode. If you'd like to keep up with me, check my upcoming workshops, or just want to keep in touch, you can like and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at coachinghappiness.ph or book a telecoaching session at www.coachinghappiness.ph. Thank you for listening. Bye now.
The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.